Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. T-I-K-A dot com. Who was presented the collab with Usher and he turned it down and he's like, damn, I shouldn't have did that. You gonna hate me for this one. Oh. Jay-Z, Pharrell, Diddy. Damn, Usher! And me was supposed to be a group. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Want a slice. Got the roll of dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle pay the price Want a slice, got the roll of dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life Looking for a super offer on Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook have you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHANNON. New customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code SHANNON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Hello, welcome to a very special edition of Club Shay Shay. I'm your host, Shannon Sharp. I'm also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. And for this one, <laughs> we got a whopper for you. He's an eight-time Grammy Award-winning pop icon, a multi-gold, platinum, and diamond-selling hey. artist. 
He received the last certified diamond by a black artist, hey. a generation-defining megastar, singer, songwriter, producer, actor, dancer, all-around entertainer, one of the most influential voices and accomplished singers in the world, one of the most successful pop and R&B artists of the 20th century and early 21st century. He's been active in the game for three decades, an NBA championship owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And please, whatever you do, do not leave your girl or your wife around this man. <laughs> He's an international sex symbol, a successor to Michael Jackson, the king, the king of R&B, Mr. Usher. Shannon, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Well, let's go ahead. You got your own. You got your Remy. Hey, I got my shade. Listen, by the way, only in the best, we, you know what I'm saying, we bring out the best, you, you know, China. <laughs> you know what I'm saying now, but got it in a Baccarat glass here in Las Vegas, enjoying it, man. I figured I'd come have a drink with you. Well, I sure appreciate that. I yeah, appreciate man. that. Yeah, man. I ain't even get to say who was sitting down having a drink and conversation, but you see who it is now. Hershey, baby. Bro, how you doing? I've been good, bro. You know, we've been out here, man, in Vegas, man, just really enjoying the time, you know? It's been a, an amazing almost 100 shows. Right. And I don't know if there's anybody that's been able to track this fast through 100 shows, you wow. know. But uh, it's been great, man. The Super Bowl. Yeah. Was that always in the back of your mind? Or uh, where were you when you got the call that's like, bro, we want you to do the Super Bowl? Was it always in the back of my It's It's in the back of every artist's mind. Really? Like, yeah, of course. I mean, as many times as we've seen performers kind mm -hmm. of have an entire career, right. a legacy career, mm -hmm. You know, to have that moment. I mean, you can win awards, you can travel around the world, have fans everywhere, play arenas, stadiums, you know what I'm saying? 130 million got eyes on Yeah, I know. So it's like that is it's a lot of pressure, don't right. get me wrong. Okay. But but it but it is it's a dream, I guess, for everyone. And I'd always um wanted to go there. Had the opportunity to go there, um, you know, with the black eyed peas. Super Bowl forty five. Yeah. So you did OMG. So I, after being bitten by that moment. I was like, I gotta go back again. I mean, it's, it's a little overdue, but right. you know what I'm saying, definitely. Um, but you didn't want to go back, you wanted to go back as a headliner, you wanted to do your own thing. Now, how do you talk what you did? Because remember, you jumped over Will I Am, you hit the split, <laughs> and so now people are like, okay, Usher by himself, what's he gonna do to top that? I don't know if I'm gonna have somebody to jump over. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, you know, man, I think that this is a legacy, right? This this, uh, this entire career and everything that you had to say about me, I really do appreciate it. Did I leave anything out, though? I mean, I, I became a, uh, I got a doctorate this year. Okay. So, so you got a key to the city? Got a key to the city of Las Vegas. Became a, a doctor at Berkeley. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it really kind of comes down to your 10,000 hours, you know what I'm saying? And if you worked hard then you should be given that opportunity. Jay-Z, he reached out to me personally. Right. Um, and um, it was- So what was that called? So what was that called? Like, okay, phone rings, you look down, it's whole Jay, I mean, you probably got it in, in your phone, it's over Jay. You pick up the phone, you're like, hey, I wonder what he calling me for. Okay, here's the conversation, now what? Um, I had an idea that he might be calling. <laughs> Uh, he happened to be coming to town right. uh, in Atlanta. B was in Atlanta with the um, tour. The tour. Mm -hmm. So every time we're in Atlanta, we play spades. Okay. Just so you know, me, him, Juan, and I have to pick my partner. You know, and then the last time they kind of gave it to me. So I'm thinking he's getting ready to call me to say, yo, pull up to, you know, the arena okay. or stadium and come get this work. <laughs> and um, nah, he was like, nah, nah, I'm not calling about spades. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm like, so uh, what, what, what's up? He was like, it's time. I, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, it is five o'clock in the morning. It's time. <laughs> what you mean it's the now? But um, it was early, right. you know. And uh, he he said, you know, this is this is the magic moment. This is the Michael moment. Actually, how he put it. And um, you know, are you ready? I was like, well, you you want to do it? I'm like, first of all, I was a bit in denial. So my girl walks in the room, and I'm like, she's like. No way. He's like, yes way. <laughs> so it's like he was in the room with us, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> but um, yeah, man, it was a, it was it was a, an incredible moment, man. And yeah. you know, some of the the greatest have done. Prince done the halftime. And remember, in Miami, he was playing Purple Rain, and it starts to rain. Yeah. Michael Jackson, Bruh. Beyonce. Hold on, so bro. everybody realized that God was a, a Prince fan. <laughs> That man, that man was playing and it started raining purple. It started raining for real. What? <laughs> so, 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 how long is it gonna take you? Because we're we're probably about four, three and a half, four months away. Yeah. How long is it gonna take you to put a set together? Because it's it's not like your residency here, and we will get into that a little later. You probably got 15, 20 minutes to put something together that will leave the people that the the people will remember for the rest of their lives. Well, exactly that, right? For your entire life, I guess for the entire time that you've been building, that's how long it took Wow! to prepare for that moment. It didn't just start these, you know, few months that I have that lead up to it. It started, you know, 30 years ago, man, when I decided that this is what I wanted to do and, you know, had the support of my mama and a host of an incredible, a lot of people, man. I mean, this journey is not just mine to celebrate. It's everybody that has something to do with it. From the beginning in Chattanooga, Tennessee, making my way to Atlanta, signing with a record company at 14 years old, then having this incredible journey, finding music, finding producers, finding sources of inspiration, you know, and then moving on to other areas, you know, finding artists and working and collaborating with other people. So I celebrate all of that leading up to that moment. So if anything, if you want to take note, the preparation starts today. <laughs> working on it right now, then hopefully you'll get there someday. But man, don't take those, you know, those those uh, 10,000 hours lightly, man. This, we live in a time where, you know, you can have success overnight. I mean, right. you know, we have social interaction that gives us access to everything. But, you know, that work that you have to put in in order to, you know, own that moment and 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 deserve that moment uh, can't be taken lightly. Any early Super Bowl predictions? Probably too early for me, man. I don't know, bro. I, I come here to ask you. <laughs> to be honest, I'm like, yo, what you think? You know, you know. But uh, somebody somebody says something about Miami. Somebody says some, you know, about Kansas, Kansas City, Forty Niners. Somebody says something about Forty Niners. Yeah. Are you, you a know? Cowboy fan? I mean, you know, I was born in Dallas, Texas, and have always been, you know, a fan, you know, of, of the Cowboys uh, throughout the years, you know. So, you know, who knows? It could be, it could be a good year. They, they seem to be getting it together. You know? <laughs> the new album, Coming Home, releases yeah. going to release on the same day as the Super Bowl. That's not an accident, is it? No, no, no. It was, it was strategic. You know, part of it is, you know, paying tribute to the past. You know, being present here in Las Vegas, what what a surprise, right, to have a, an incredible residency run here. A hundred shows I will have played by the end of November. Mm -hmm. And then to have the treat of being able to play the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, man, it's it's like, you know, here, here you have this this grand opportunity 
that is almost like a crescendo mm-hmm. of what started off really in a pandemic. Right. I, people don't really know that part, right? When I came to Las Vegas, it was quiet. Nobody was here, nothing was happening. People thought I was crazy for putting tickets on sales. But to be honest, it was belief, belief that we would get back to the norm, you know what I'm saying? And in a time when the world just felt like upside down, like what is normal anymore? We ain't been outside or been into a concert hall or celebrated with each other in a year, you know what I'm saying? And, and here you have this grand opportunity to start this journey that now leads up to the Super Bowl for me. So that moment was also for you because you wanted to get outside also. You wanted to see people because you were shut in. You wanted, they was like, oh man, I get a chance to see Usher. But you like, Usher get a chance to see See you. (laughs) Yeah, man, the the, the first thing that we did, we did a uh, show in Los Angeles for iHeartRadio, which was like the actual first time I'd sing and also to been in the room or anybody had been in the room in LA. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing. And then to come to Las Vegas and then launched my residency successfully, as I said, you know, the time that we spent here and now to be able to to come here and uh, and celebrate, man, this this incredible moment. This is your ninth solo album. Yeah. This is your first in eight years. What can we expect? Um, well, first, after the Super Bowl, as you said, the album comes out. Coming home, we've released one record so far, Good Good, featuring Summer Walker and also 221 Savage. Number one record there. So really happy about that. Radio has played a major part in that. Social interaction, a ton of other things. But you know, I really you know, feel like I put a lot of heart and time into making certain that this was curated right. Something that felt like, you know, this next chapter of my life, as I talk to you about the past, the present happening here right. in Las Vegas, the future. And once we get there in February, mm-hmm. is the next frontier, is that next chapter of my life and my legacy. This, by the way, Um, marks the first album that I put out as an independent artist. Very important part, right? Because what you should know is that, yeah, legacy obviously is a part of what, you know, gave me the hit records to be able to have a foundation to stand on. But at that juncture in my life, I didn't just rely on that. I decided to move away and also to be independent. Mega, mega, uh, myself, Larry Jackson, L.A. Reid and I came together and formed Gamma. Um, and Mega is the support of it. Since then, uh, it's just been a labor of like being reminded of why we did it. I can go back to my 13 year old days and remember the beginning between me and LA. Now, at 45 years old, and him having a world of it experience, you know, all, you know, just one of the greatest executives of our time, black executives of our time. Mm-hmm you know, breaking so many artists in so many different genres. Now we get to bring all that equity together and do something that is all about passion. He's one of the greatest record executive, regardless of color. That's right. You look at all the acts that he's discovered and put put on, he's been unbelievable. Yeah. Um, This residency, and you spoke about it a little earlier, that was that something that, had the pandemic not happened, would the residency with Usher, would that have happened? It was gonna happen. It was. It was bad. Yeah, it was. It was gonna happen. We had plans for it to happen. Okay. And right as we were in the process of launching, you know, I think I was in France at the time, and it was just this mm-hmm. crazy outbreak. Came back to America, and then before you know, it, we were quarantined. You know, and I'd been working on music, so I'd been kind of ramping up to something. Right. Whether it was new music, a new tour. And we all felt like Las Vegas would be an incredible reintroduction of new music, also to celebrate and legacy. 
but it turned into something far, far more than that, man. Right. You know? Right. We're here at the Nomad Las Vegas, right down the hallway um, from where you're performing your residencies tonight at the Dolby Live yep. Park MGM. My daughter, whose flight was delayed, wanted to be here, but I'm bringing her tonight for a birthday. <laughs> so, when you caught a lot of flack, God, you know, the women come and you know, you come with your sister. daddy or come with your sugar daddy. <laughs> no, 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 this or this come is my, with your husband. This is my actual, this is my actual <laughs> daughter. I'm very protective about this one now. So, I ain't got my two girls, but I'm very protective of us. So, don't be, don't be messing around. So, <laughs> the, the criticism I mean, you're just having a good time. You say you got your things on. I mean, are you surprised that you've gotten the criticism and the blowback that you've received? I don't know, man. I, I just know that this juncture of my life is just about having fun. You don't even care. No, it's not that I don't care. It's that I want you to know that I'm having fun. And that is a part of me having fun, okay. being out in the audience amongst the fans and also to the people and feeling that energy. I don't remember the last time that I've been to a show like that. You know, mm -hmm. I know that we all feel good when we go to Frankie Beverly and we, you know, we all dress in our white. <laughs> we go out there and we enjoy each other and, and, and on the aisles and have a great time. Right. But like what an artist comes out and just is amongst the people, you know, this arena gave me an opportunity to be able to be closer to my fans because right. I had been, I hadn't put out an album in almost six years, right? So now being able to reconnect in that way, you know, obviously it spun into something that became, it gave me a new, uh, a new title. Yeah. Uh, I think Charlemagne the God named me like the domestic terrorist. <laughs> I'm like, bruh, I'm just, this is a, this is yeah. actually a Usher show, right? Well, you said you can feel the energy. You can't feel the energy for them husbands and them boyfriend giving you the evil eye. Well, like you need to back up. Nah, they actually cool. The guys that are there, you know what I'm saying? The girls. They get a little rowdy. I'm just saying, but you know, it's don't leave your girl around me. I said, come with your girl. You know what I'm saying? Come with your daughter. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Bring your wife. <laughs> but it, but yo, by, by the way, I, again, it's all in good fun, right. man. And the whole purpose and point is to bring that energy to Las Vegas. When I look out and I see my people, I see, you know, I see us doing something that I don't felt. I don't feel like it's been done here, right. like. The black dollar is strong in Vegas, sure. man, more than it's ever been. And the cast and the and the crew and the feeling of what this has built has been a celebration. So, you know, nah, I didn't I don't know if I was able to even look at it uh, as a negative. And then anything that has happened in terms of the girls who came up there, rather it was Taraji P. Henson or you Kiki. know what I'm saying, Kiki, you know, Palmer. Or, you know that woman had just had a baby and she was I mean, she wanted to get out and have a good time. You know what I'm saying? Should you not feel like you, you know what I mean? Like you, you should get out with your girls and enjoy yourself. You should, right? Yes. And there you have me to sit your usher. <laughs> oh, you, you ushering them into a good time. <laughs> you taking that lift. I mean, you going too far with this. You know, the ushers help you to the chair, or find just, a seat. I'm ushering you to a good time, baby. You know what I'm saying? Come <laughs> okay. have, have a good time with me. No, but. <laughs> Working but, out. Yeah, man. I talked to Steve Stout <laughs> yesterday, and he said that when you getting ready for a show that you would train chasing the U-Haul and they're playing confessions because you are an entertainer. You're not just sitting on a stool singing. You're moving and you're every word and you're dancing, you're doing all these dance moves. Yeah. Bro, how are you able to do this night in and night out but, and you still got them 20-year-old knees? Yeah, I know, man. It's like the conditioning is no different than you know, football. You know what I mean? You got to really have the... You know, you gotta have a core. And right. You gotta make certain that you can sing and right. dance. So part of my moving, 
and singing and running mm -hmm. and doing some of these things that are probably not a part of the, you know, the build of artists. You know, right. that type of artist development is something that I learned. Mm -hmm. I learned it from a guy by the name of A.J. Alexander, the guy who actually discovered me, uh, who was uh, Bobby Brown's bodyguard. Right. <laughs> so. As a kid, he had his kids in Atlanta, right. and this was our training. Like it was like boot camp. Singing wasn't yeah. just like, oh, we gonna get out here and just jam and sing the girls. Right. No, nah, you gotta like. He was like putting us through straight right. boot camp. So you had to learn while you had to learn to sing while you're tired because you're running and like you said, it's boot camp. But I, yo, I just think that that generation of entertainment. It was different, you know right. what I'm saying? And I had been in a group before, and we as a group, you know, we worked in the same way, you know what I'm saying? We played basketball, you know what I'm saying? And we got our wind up. Or when we were working, we would sing and dance and, and move around. He would have us running and singing, all of that kind of stuff. That wasn't uncommon. That's not an uncommon thing if you consider yourself an artist. Right. That is part of artist development. Right. And if you want to be able to get out there, sing, dance, not miss a beat, be on key, that's the type of work that you got to do. Right. You know? You you mentioned you were born in Chatt you were Chattanooga. Mm -hmm. You moved to Atlanta at a very very young age. And you, you said your mom. I read where you said your mom like kind of quit what she was doing to devote all of her attention to you. And you said your mom was like kind of hard on you and making sure that's what you wanted. Where where do you where did your stance? Because we see Richard uh, Venus and Serena. Richard Williams was very hard on them. We hear we see Tiger's story. His dad was hard on him. And then I see Dwight Howard trying to push his son, and he gets blowback. So where is Usher? If your kids, how are you going to be with your son? You say you got a son that's playing basketball now. How is Usher, the parent, given where he came from, knowing what he knows, how is he going to be? Man, I deal with the same, you know, issues that any parent deals with. Kids who are influenced by, you know, the things that they see, the things that they get into. But the one thing that I do is care for my kids. Yeah. Right? I view disciplinary, you know, you know, kind of measures as something that is preparing your kids, especially black kids, for, you know, the reality of the world that they're living in. You know, I hold you to a higher standard. You know, I personally hold you to a higher standard because I know what work it takes to be great. Mm -hmm. And for parents who do that, you know, look at the evidence, look at the incredible, you know, artists, the incredible athletes that were created in that moment. This generation may not necessarily have the same respect, but God bless the coaches that we have. God bless the mentors and stuff that we have that motivate our kids because it almost puts this pressure on parents to not be parents. Right. <laughs> no, nah, that's it's it's a hard dynamic, especially if you come from an industry where you know what it takes to not naturally kick into that mode and say, yo, if you want to do something, you want to play basketball, you got to run at a certain rate. I'm going to push you. If you really want to do this, you got to show me. You're going to show up on time. You ain't on time. Give me push-ups right now. What? Yeah, give me push-ups. Run these laps. Run these suicides right now. You serious, Dad? Yeah, for real. And I'm not playing. And if I catch you, if if I get if I get there before you do, you're gonna give me a hundred extra push-ups. Wow. It's, you know what I'm saying? That's right. just that's just the nature of the, you know, of the animal that is inside of who we are as as I don't know, man, as as entertainers, as athletes, you know. So I don't I don't I don't look at any of that kind of disciplinary kind of measure. Uh, is bad. I do think it's equally important to talk to your kids. Okay. If you're going to push them that way, then you got to love on them just as much. You got to explain to them why you push them. There you go. 
That's right. They got to know that, yo, my dad's going to push me to be great. My dad's going to talk to me as well and help me understand why he's pushing me the way that he is. But how is that? Because you have to understand you're in a totally different situation than what they are. Your mom didn't have it like your kid's dad has it. Right. So they're looking because you're like, man, I got to get my I got to get my mom out of this situation. I want to have well, your kids come home. They got a six car garage. They got twenty five thousand square feet. They got nanny. They got maid. They got chef. They got they got. All yeah, of that. Yeah. <laughs> that that is that is a harsh reality, which is more the reason why you got to be harder on them. Um, but mindful that their normal is different than our normal, right? And the access that they have is greater and grander, and the expectation is actually higher. That's the one thing that I have empathy for my children, especially the ones you know that. Yeah, I named my son Usher, so every time he's out, obviously there's that pressure. Um, you know, I've even battled at times, you know, my kids, sometimes they don't want me to come. They don't want me to be at the, you know, that basketball game or their recital. Or they want me to be very, very low key because they don't want that energy. They don't want, oh, dad walked in the room and took, you know. All, all their focus off of me. Yeah. And it's hard because I try my hardest to have that empathy, but I want to be there. You know what I'm saying? Countless times being able to just sit at the back of the room quiet, you know what I'm saying, is keep myself as small as possible. <laughs> And, and be as quiet as I possibly can. You want to be a parent. Yeah, man. Yeah. But it's, it is. it is. You're right. Like that that access and that reality that they're looking at, it gives them some expectation. And unfortunately, I can't take it back. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I walked so that we could ride. You know what I'm saying? And now that you're riding, you know, I want you to understand the importance of walking. Right. <laughs> Did you always, at the age of 10, 11, and 12, you're on Star Search, um, did you always know you wanted to be this? Well, which part of this do you mean, right? Because this, the guy that's sitting across from me, that's internationally known, that goes and sells out every concert, the guy that's almost at a hundred shows at a residency, the yeah. guy that's doing the halftime show, one of the the king, the king of R and B. This. Thank you very much. For <laughs> <laughs> but let me give you a little clarity, right? Okay. Okay. No, I don't know if I. I don't know if I was prepared for any of it, but I know that I was dedicated enough to stick to it until something happened. And then something that I didn't expect happened to become a businessman, to then understand entrepreneurship, to understand philanthropy, to understand empathy, to begin to understand the other side of it. Um, I wasn't prepared for that. I knew that if I set my mind to anything, the affirmation of me once saying it, and actually making it happen, willing it to happen, was something that I was committed to. As a kid, yo, I walked around and my mother used to tell me all the time, you need to stop telling people that you're gonna be a big artist. I'm like, why? That's what I believe, this is what I think about myself. If I don't believe it, nobody else would. Right. But you don't have to say it, it ain't happened yet. I'm like, but I want it to, so let me just- You manifested it. I must keep saying it until it actually, you know, becomes the reality. And I'm gonna not only just say it and expect somebody to give it to me, I'm gonna take the long way around. I wanna work for it. I wanna be able to say I earned it. You know what I'm saying? I remember the first time that I saw you and I didn't know quite know who you were. I saw you in Nike Town in Phipps Plaza. Man. I used to see you in Gucci all the time and you always sing. I was like, man, why this dude singing? Man. I'll be, I'll, I'll be like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, and you were just singing and singing man. and singing. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury 
with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And I was told my sister, I said, man, I saw this, 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 uh, I mean, you couldn't have been no more than like 16 or 17 tops. Yeah. I said, I saw this, I saw this kid in, the, in, in, in Nike town and he was singing. I think, he, I think he might be something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I was auditioning or what, you know what I'm saying? But I was, <laughs> I was, I was preparing for my moment, you right. know what I'm saying? And I think that that's, that's the plight, you know what I'm saying? To anything that you want to be great at, you have to make it a, you have to make it a process. Like it, it's it's a part of your every thought. Like right. if you want to play basketball, you always bounce on the ball. If you want to play football, you always readjusting. You always managing. You always ready and alert. You know, if you want to play sports, it's like you have to stay activated and stay active. As an artist, it's the same. And you know, I'm also too haunted by the idea that I had this talent. So it's naturally just coming out. It's like you can't help but right. just be who you are. You, you know? had this talent. Obviously, in high school, normally when you have a talent, everybody's not as talented as everyone else. So were there hating going on with, with you in high school? Did people hate that you were so gifted? Because you're in a talent show, you winning. You know that. You're not losing a talent show. No. <laughs> so, so they're like, they're like okay, you, okay, you won the last five talent shows. You're not entering this one. No, but that's what makes you great, right? The fact that you know that there's opposition. You know, if you're playing on a football team, right, 
You're going to go out there. You see that you you up against some dogs. You know right. what I'm saying? You got to go out there with a different attitude. You got to, like, believe it. You got to, like, be it. You know? And by the way, I had a hard, hard trip, bro. My name was Usher. Like, yeah. like I, don't, I don't have, like, Marcus or Derek <laughs> or, like, Eddie or something like that. Like, I, I was already, like, an outlier. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, wait a minute. You're walking around with this name, and they weren't nice to me. You know what I'm saying? Usher. <laughs> What's up, Usher? You want, you want an Archer board? You know what I'm saying? A Hershey bar. I was like, man, come on, man. All right, that's cool. That's so, right. <clears throat> so what was dating like for Usher in high school? Dating? Um, it was a bit difficult, you know what I'm saying? Because I just... You so, can say You can swoon them. Yeah, I know, but, you know, I was just trying my hardest to stay focused on my actual goal, and I don't know, man. I was, you know, I was just trying to figure out how to get to... The real goal, you know, to have a girlfriend, that was cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would definitely impress the girls and see, sing see, I do, I do go get it out. I do, I get it out. Of course, you know what I'm saying? But you know, I just, you know, it was, it wasn't about that, man. I was focused, bro. I was like, I need to, I need to stay focused, and I, I, I have a goal. You know what I'm saying? When I figured out, oh, this is really what I want to do. I think I was willing to make the sacrifices that were needed, and while I wanted to enjoy, you know, having relationships, it was like. If I find a girl that I think is really cool and I can learn something from her, she can learn something from me, then we can help each other. But for the most part, I ain't. Yeah, man, I ain't. Yeah, we can help each other out. <laughs> yeah. No, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, 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 I there was a, a phase where I was girl crazy. You know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, man, I just, I was trying to figure out how to get as many numbers as I possibly could because I wanted to be a player, you know what I'm saying, from the Himalayas. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I was, <laughs> I was, uh, I wasn't really focused on, on, you know, that too much. How did, how did you deal with your voice at 10 is not the same as the voice at 14 and the voice at 14 is not the same as yeah. the voice, your mature voice is going to be. So how did you handle the voice change going through puberty? It's crazy. You know, I just had to figure out how to focus on something else uh, until it changed back and just keep keep working. I changed my eating habits, you know what I'm saying? In addition to losing my voice, I had pizza face, you know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about, teenagers. Yeah. You, you, know, you go through a phase where it's just like Nestle Crunch, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I was like, man, I gotta figure this out, you know? And I, but I didn't let any of that deter me from like, oh, yo, I'm, I still gotta stay focused on what I, what I wanna do. Uh, yeah, I lost my voice completely, it was hard. Cause I didn't lose my voice and didn't have anything, right? I lost my voice and I actually had a record that was on the radio. I had a record that I put out, just call me a Mac, and I couldn't sing it. Here I am at, you know, I think it was uh, Jack the Rapper in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. uh, Can I be down? I can't remember which was one of those two. And I sang my song and I got through it. That was the first and the last time that I actually sang. And I impressed uh, an audience of people. Some of whom still come up to this day I'm like, yo, I remember you in this yellow something. You was like a little kid, man, and you really just had this this real big energy. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I lost it and trying my hardest to not lose my mind in that and become like depressed, like fall into a deep depression. It took a great deal of support. It took my mama. It took my grandmother, it took my nanny. It took my family members who, you know, just continue to, to you know, encourage me. And um, I managed to make it through it. The people who, who managed to stick around, you know, the people that I was working with at the time, a, a lady by the name of Shirley Riley, you know, an amazing uh, coach as well, you know. Um, but, 
you know, working with Kawan Prayatha, who was the person who I worked with at the time, Shanti Das, you know, these people who, you know, were kind of appointed for me to work with, they didn't give up on me. They, they continued to see something bright in me. L.A. Reid, they continued to invest in me, working with you know, vocal coaches and, and continued to help me find my way. Sent me to New York City to work with Puffy. It was just like, okay, we're not giving up. We, we, we still believe in it. How difficult is it as a child to find topics to sing about? Because you're like 13, 14, you can't be singing about this mature stuff. And you you're not a you're not a gangster rapper. You ain't shooting up the club and talking about this this bee and this garden tool and all that. So was it difficult? This to, garden tool. <laughs> <laughs> was it difficult for you to find material? <laughs> Come on. Was it difficult for you to find material to sing sing about? Yeah, it was like uh, pips and garden tools. <laughs> uh, uh, man. I didn't have to worry about that as much. I think they spent time with me. It was funny. Uh, Eddie Bishop and uh, Tim Thomas, the first two producers that I worked with, he just posted something. And uh, I look back and I, it's like, man, I, I just, so great that you, on the road to riches, you stop and take pictures. Because mm -hmm. it actually just takes you back to that moment. I almost forgot about, you know, just the hope in my eyes and the fact that I was just a, a, a little kid. Right. But here they are trying to make songs for me about being a Mac. I don't even know what a Mac is. You know what I'm saying? A big Mac. Mac truck, a big Mac. Like, nah, but, you know, I, again, you know, I, I just, I think I left it to them right. to help, you know, help me figure out how to talk. Because I could have easily, right, became, you know, one of the sensations that would have been locked into being a kid only, mm -hmm. had made kid music specifically for kids. Right. But I think that they were trying to make music that adults would listen to as well. That was a real smart thing for them to do. Right. And really, um, it, it, was, it was great to think ahead because uh, it made it easier for me to transition. When I worked with, you know, Organized Noise, when I worked with Puff, when I worked with, you know, those those guys, they they were trying to tell the coolest young guy's story. The guy who, you know, was kind of having emotions, but still trying to be a young fly player. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, yo, I'm, I got I got a little movement here. You know what I'm saying? I talked to women a certain way. They were giving me like, yo, you got to talk to a girl like this. You know what I mean? And, you know, we would do intros like yo, you talk over R&B records. Just how you got to talk to him, bro. You know, but um Great that I was able to to have more mature conversation because I didn't get caught in the kid thing. I, I wasn't like a kid teen type sensation. Right. You know, I was out there trying to figure out how to take my shirt off and show my six pack, <laughs> tick pack. You know what I'm saying? You mentioned L.A. Reid sent you to um, to New York and you live with P. Diddy. They call it Flavor Camp. Flavor Camp. Yeah. So what was that experience like and how did that help Usher's career? I think I think um, I don't think I would be the artist. Uh, that I am today without the experiences that I had in New York City. One, just being in uh, a new place where I would have to adjust, right? I didn't have the comfort of home. I'm in New York City and they was, you know, done and sunning me to death, bro. And I was like, shout it, I don't know what you talking about. You know what I'm saying? And we finna go over here, you know what I'm saying? And they was like laughing at me because I was Southern and they were like New York, but they was like took me and they, they, they like, they took me under their wing, you know what I'm saying? And looked at me like the little bruh. Right. You know, I think back to, you know, the earlier times of being there when Bad Boy was formed. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned something about business. I learned something about artist development in a different way. I learned something about culture. So having the ability to be around 
all these different cultures of people, it just helped me understand the world that I lived in. I didn't, I wasn't isolated and felt like I needed to be protected. I wasn't. I was like, yo, we're going to show you the real ropes. We'll show you what the world really looks like and give you a front seat. I'm looking at Biggie, you know what I'm saying? I'm looking at Craig Mack, I'm looking at Onyx. We running in the streets. We like literally out here seeing how we in bar pop barbershop, they shooting dice, you know what I'm saying? You know, bet I don't, four, four out, four, four, you know what I'm saying? Four, five, you know, I'm like, yo, what is this? You know what I'm saying? But so great to have had those experiences because one, I didn't have a big brother and my dad wasn't there in my life as a kid. So. All these experiences just readied me for life. So greater than just being an artist, that man helped me understand life. He helped me understand what it was to be an artist. He helped me understand what it, be, what it was to be passionate about something. He, he helped me understand culture. He helped me understand business in a, at a, on a different level because I'm seeing him go from his independence to then becoming Puff Daddy. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I got a front row seat looking at that. Thank God that I had that experience. You know what I'm saying? And then you... And by the way, at New York's hottest yeah. moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is Terror Squad and Fat Joe. I'm like, how do I know all this stuff? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm literally... I can remember being on stage. I can't curse on this, but I was like, one of the craziest experiences ever. I happened to be on stage performing with Biggie. And this is back when he had a song called Party and Bull. Dung. <laughs> <laughs> Cal Dong, I, uh, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, I, this, this is crazy. But I was able to take all of that and then begin to understand, oh, okay, I get it. I see what the world is, but now I want to do this my way. Wow. Yeah. Atlanta, Jermaine Dupree, you link up with JD yo. and whew, what makes JD so good at his job? You know, creative he's extremely creative and he's mindful of the artist that he's working with he spends the time that is necessary to understand how to tell the artist story he spends the time making certain that he understands the cadence as he writes he's one of the world's greatest writers i mean you don't get no better bro like somebody who has like multiple skills as a writer as an artist as a creative whether it's fashion, whether it's lifestyle, cool, incredibly emotional when it comes to knowing how to pin it, because he listens. He listens to every word. He, he manages to get out of the way, too. That's another thing. It's not, it's about him, because it's about his interpretation. And the interpreter always wins, but his ability to not make it about just him. He makes it about his artist. He's able to then say, all right, I'm gonna breathe life into this artist who's trying to find their way. Now, what you do with it, whether you dance or you rap or you go into movies or you do other things, that's how you keep going. But he really does understand the art of artistry, the art of being able to see the greatest things and pull the best things out. Confessions. Yeah. Everybody thought confessions was about you. Like you was just confession. You went to a confessional, but it was about him. Well, no. That's it was about true. you? No, nah, it was about a, it was a collect. By the way, we made an album and we as men sat around like this. We were having real conversations, real talk, as a matter of fact. Uh, Mark Pitts, um, you know, you know, myself, JD. There's a couple of cats in the room that was going okay. through this situation. I ain't trying to put nobody on blast, but I'm just saying, we all were having a conversation about this thing that was happening. Mm -hmm. And it ain't the first time that it happened. 
But here's an opportunity for me to be able to tell that story in a way where everybody could relate to it. It wasn't just me. I'm uh, at JD. It was it was everybody. It was everybody at that table was was going through something. Yo, by the way, I, I tell you no lies. Everybody was going through some portion of what we were talking right. about in that studio. Is Confessions the album that Usher is a bona fide superstar? He's here to stay. He ain't no flash in the pan. He's not here today, gone tomorrow. Usher Raymond is here, and you will forever remember this man's name. You gotta tell me, bro. Yeah, this. You think so? I think that's your greatest. That's the greatest? Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Body of work, 8701. Oh, no, okay. You see, see okay. when, you, when you put it like that, 8701. That's what I'm saying. So it's like, it's great that I could even have If you could make. sing one album, if you only had to sing one album, and you could, couldn't sing, you got, you got a lot of them, but you got to sing one for the next year and only one, what you're rocking with. Man, that's a hard one, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rock with Confessions. Because <laughs> I'm right. <laughs> it's well-rounded, but I mean, just saying this, like between those two albums, right. yes, yeah, I think that it, it would it would definitely have to be based off of success. Mm -hmm. It would have to be Confessions, yeah. I mean, when you look at it, I mean, Diamond, Crazy, Sexy, Cool, Whitney, His, uh, uh, Whitney Houston, Thriller. Bro, you get the Diamond, ain't a whole lot of Diamonds out there. There has been no other Diamond since in this genre. That make you feel good, doesn't it? It's a good thing to have, you know what I'm saying? But also, too, it's a, it's a... It's a bit of a thing, right? Because you're then aiming at that. And I never wanted to get caught up in what I've done in the past so much that I can't focus on where I am. Because the success has changed, mm -hmm. right? If we you know, could count success by how many albums you actually sold, right. they don't sell albums in that way as a physical copy. Where right. we get on a line, we stand outside of Tower Records, you know you did it, hey. right? I did it too, you know what I'm saying? And we got that album. We weren't like quick ordering that joint or either just clicking at a button right. and it's just there. So yeah, it's like the measure of success has to change in life. And by the way, this is important because if you don't do that, you manage to get caught in your mind and the psychological like damage that could happen if you don't reach mm -hmm. the same goal makes you feel as though you're not a success. That's not true. There's just always a different shift. Yo, I remember when, you know what I'm saying, Vince Carter was jumping out the gym, bro. Right. Like, yo, he shifted his whole game and, and three crazy. Still can jump if he wanted to, but right. them ankles, you know what I'm saying, they yeah, going. They, they go, they go. That's what I'm saying. Right. So you, it's about, yeah, I, th those are the people that I look up to, bro. You said something very interesting. Yeah. Because I, and a lot, and I've heard people say this about Michael is that he kept trying to replicate the success that he had with Thriller. And, and Dirty Diana was a great album. It sold eight million copies and, and subsequent rep, uh, albums that came out after that, but it wasn't Thriller. And it drove him to a point that if it didn't do 30 million, 40 million, 60 million copies, he didn't feel like it was successful. You said, I got in my mind early on that if I don't do the physical number that Confessions did, I'm okay with that. How were you able to do that, Usher? Because we're measured by success. Because we're only, people judge you by what you did as a younger you. Yeah. They don't compare you to anybody else that's in your genre currently. They compare you to a younger you. Well, they shouldn't. 
<laughs> what? <laughs> Come on with it, Usher. Come on with it. See, I know I get it out of y'all. See what he said. Y'all better leave the battle alone. Y'all keep on talking about y'all the king of this and king of that. No. I'm sitting with the king right here. You know, I'll just tell you um, two things on king talk, right? Okay. But the confessions, right? Again, if you are living by the applause, you will die by the booze. T.I. told me that, yeah. and it's spot on. It if you live for the applause, you're gonna die by the bulls. You gotta do what you gotta do, and you gotta make your offering as clear as it could potentially be, because it's gonna serve at least one person. Because that's why we really do it, right? We do it because we wanna offer something that's gonna be the right dialogue, or the right help, or the right moment, or the right service to whatever needed to happen in that moment, the celebration, the love making, the baby making, the ability to be emotional and finally be able to say what you really mean to this person. You know, be true to that. Right. If you start to chase the success in that same way, it'll, 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 it could drive you crazy. Right. Uh, the only way that I was able to do that is to focus on other things, uh, to focus on building uh, longitude, longitude, latitude. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Right, I got to build more space. Let's... 
let's take this thing that I got, my perspective, and I want to introduce some other artists. I want to try and go, let me go fail at some other things and get great at that. Right. Right? Because you peak in some way, in some ways, and then you figure out something else to work on. And then you peak at that, and you figure out something else, you peak at that. But how are you able to have such success and willing to go try something that you might fail at? I mean, once you become successful, you're like, I kind of like this. I ain't really trying to fail, so I kind of want to stay. I'm going to come and stay where I'm at. But you're willing to go outside and like, okay, let me try to be a producer. Let me try to discover talent. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it also, too, um, honestly, became um, a bit of a reckless thing for me because I think some of the actions that I had taken, some of the decisions that I had made began to sabotage me. And it may have been personal sabotage because I just wanted some idea of normalcy. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to get back to normal. I wanted to be able to have like a little bit. I didn't. I didn't look at it the same way. Like, yo, I gotta go. Like, we we just we we're now. You know, we're getting ready to take off. Now I want to go to the moon. Get right. to the moon. I want to go to the sun. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nah, I think that in some way I started to figure like I need to move things around and maybe move things. And and some steps didn't help me. Some things that I did were not right. Some decisions I made, you know, hey, but I live with them all too, by the right. way. And, and I'm okay with that. Um, that's the only way that I was able to get through it. I actually enjoy being in a position where I'm a bit of an underdog and I gotta fight my way back up to the top. I love for you to say, oh, it's over. I love for you to say, oh, nah, he ain't gonna do it again. Oh, nah, it can't happen. No, that right there is motivation, because that means I got some place to go. I got some place to grow. I mean, you were the first artist in the 2010s to collect three number one singles in three consecutive decades. The 90s, Nice and Slow, You Make Me Wanna. Yep. You Make Me Wanna, Lead a Wanna. Mm, my Way, and then 2000, You Remind Me. You yep. Got It Bad. You Don't Have to Call Me. Yeah, Burn, Confessions Part Two. And then 2010, o OMG, There Goes My Baby, Climax. Hits. I mean. We got hits. Yeah, yes. Got some hits, bruh. <laughs> I mean, you were landing more punches than Mayweather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, have you, when will you sit, when will you go back and sit back? I mean, or do you take the time like? This is it. That's what's happening right now. I'm actually sitting back and enjoying all of the labor of that. This, that's the moment I'm in right now. I'm in that, I'm in that moment of really enjoying the hard work. Now, I don't get a lot of sleep, but I think that that's just the reality of who I am as a person because I love to work and I love to, I love to create, but I'm, I'm enjoying it finally. I'm able to, you know, because I've always been of service to people. Mm -hmm. Rather, I'm offering something. Right. And whether they like it or not is really up to them, not up to me. Right. Um, but I, I like that, that. That actually makes me feel good. But now I get a chance to actually enjoy what I am creating, enjoy what I have created. What's your favorite decade? I mean, your 90s. I think somewhere in the 70s, like being motivated by that and okay. then bringing that forward. Right. Because so many incredible artists were born in that time or created in that moment. Um, living in the 90s, I say it was a grand moment for all of us because it was a mixture between R&B and hip hop and, and a way that felt, you know, it felt sensational. By the way, even in the South, because the South... Um, it didn't have as much of a definition, but through the 90s and then on to the 2000s, mm -hmm. you then began to understand, you know, organized noise, Jermaine Dupree, Little John, incredible producers out of the out, out of the out of the South, you know, began to to really, really have a moment. Um, 
But I, I really do think that it's something in the seventies, bro. Like the artists that came out of the seventies. If, if you could, if you could have, let's. I'm gonna give you three. If you could perform with three, collab with three artists from the seventies, who would it be? Um, if I could have collabed with them in the seventies, in the seventies, oh, it would have been Quincy Jones. Okay, you know, it would have been um, uh, out of Philly, um, huh? Gambling Huff. Um, let me see, who else? Seventies. I think I said the two. That 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 actually is so. I thought you. I thought you was talking about artists that oh, you would have liked to perform with. Oh, perform with? Yeah, an artist you want to collab with. Oh, artists to collab with. Um, man, it would have been great to do something with like Diana Ross. Would have been great to do something <laughs> with, you know, Dunny Hathaway. Uh, would have been great to do something with um, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Give me a Mount Rushmore of R&B singers. Mount Rushmore. You only get four, Usher. So, I mean, I've had people on here, they try to get Wonder. five. Stevie Wonder. Uh, let me see. Dunny Hathaway. Whitney Houston. Ooh. I said Stevie Wonder, right? You said Stevie Wonder. Okay, I put him on twice. He's okay. <laughs> Michael Jackson. Marvin Gaye. That's I just tell you had four. I'm sorry. I'm saying I'm so okay. So I can't take Michael off of Marvin. Oh, come on now. You look at Michael as R&B. Do I? You don't? I mean, I thought he was the king of pop. But man, he created a format that like, man, R&B was like, I mean, you know, this is, he's interesting, right? Kings, right? Yes. I think all of those guys are kings. Right. I think that we get so caught up on being the number one king person, right? Yeah. To have that title to yeah. be the king. Because we, normally you only got one king. You got a king and a queen. You got a lot of princes. You can be a lot of princes, but you can only have one king, Usher. You can only have one king, one queen, but you can only have one Usher, baby. <laughs> and Usher, you know what I'm saying? He get the ceremony right. He come out white glove service, baby. You know what I'm saying? We going to deliver. Nah, nah, hold on. But greater than being a king or either saying I want to have that one spot, what I see is needed is a kingdom. Okay. Right? So when I look at all of the genres of music, I see EDM and I look at festivals and I look at the, the lifestyle, the equipment. I look at, you know what I'm saying, country music. I think boots. I think cowboys. You know what I'm saying? I think chaps. I think cowboy hats and, and rodeos and all kind of stuff like that. I think pickups. You know what I'm saying? There's a culture there, right? right? There's a kingdom to this idea. There's a monetization of that thing. R&B or either the genre that I came from, I don't think it possesses the same weight in terms of the other ancillary businesses that are there. And that's what I'm focused on. We're going to be all kings, matter of fact. You know what I'm saying? There's tons of people who put in the work. I ain't the only person that's been putting in them thousand hours. And I, don't, and I don't know or profess to be the only king. Am I the king of what I feel? Yeah, I am. Every day I wake up feeling like a king. You know what I'm saying? And I work hard to be that king, but I want a kingdom. I want us to be able to have the same potency in hip hop, right? When I think of hip hop, I think of what you're drinking. I think about the glasses you're wearing. I think about the shoes you got on. I think about, the, you know, the records. I think about that culture. I think about the clothes you're wearing, right? I want the same thing. I want that kingdom for R&B in that same way. Who was presented a collab with Usher and he turned it down and he's like, damn, I shouldn't have did that. Collaboration? Yeah. 
Um, is there a collab that someone asked you to be a part of and you didn't? And when it came out, you're like, damn. Yeah. You're going to hate me for this one. Oh. Jay-Z, Pharrell, Diddy. Damn, Arthur! And me was supposed to be a group. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you're going to hate me for that. I know. Yeah. Why you, Why did you say no? I didn't say no. You didn't say yeah? <laughs> I didn't say yeah. <laughs> you said yeah on the record, but you didn't say yeah to that. <laughs> That's the one. I think that we just got caught up. I think we all got caught up in a moment. We was talking about it, having secret meetings about it. We were talking about music and how we gonna flip it and the, the business of it. And somehow, man, we just got distracted. You know what I'm saying? And it never happened. You know? That's the one that I actually wish would have happened. Right. Um, is there a movie or something that I was supposed to be a part yes. of? A collaboration. Yeah, uh, David Geffen uh, reached out to me to be uh, in Dreamgirls. And um, it, yeah, man, it just didn't happen. And I had, I think everybody hit me about this joint too. I had Eddie Murphy hit me, man, Brandy hit me. Just, there's never just, there's always a reason. You don't get in your car and just sit there. You go to the grocery there store. There you go, bro. Or you drive, to, the, you drive to, to a concert. I know. You turned that down? Yeah, uh, I didn't do it. Santa, did you know about this? <laughs> I didn't know about this one. <laughs> yeah. Drink to that. <laughs> I read that you were Beyonce's nanny. Were you Beyonce's nanny? First of all, how can I be a nanny? I'll be a manny. Man, I, but bitch, you know what I mean. No, no, no I wouldn't I wouldn't be Beyonce's nanny. Nah, um, Daryl Simmons, uh, he had a group by the name of the Dolls. Okay. And they came to Atlanta for the first time. This is when this before Destiny's Child became Destiny's okay. Child. And um, I think I looked over them while they was doing something in the house. I had to watch them because I was like the, you, you know, the authority. Because I guess I was the the teenager right. at the time. But no, nah, I wasn't a nanny. You know what I'm saying? No. But you were just overseeing, like making sure they ain't break. Nothing. Making certain that they didn't, you know, that they didn't get in no trouble in the house at the time. Yeah. Did you see? Did you know that little girl was going to grow up to be that big international superstar? Can you look at? Because you did discover Justin Bieber, so you did see something. So clearly, you got an eye for talent. Yeah, well, not, and not just by myself. There was a, a host of people, you know, they say success has a million fathers and an orphan. You know, you know, yeah, I got it. So um, I think when I saw them, I knew there was something very special about all of them because as Destiny's Child, they all thrive. Even still to this day, when you see them and you see them together, they all thrive. They all are an incredible unit. Mm -hmm. Beyonce. Uh, had a talent and also to a brilliance and a brightness that was much different. And it was actually uh, Frank Gatson, Gatson who who helped me see it. He he worked with me at the time. He was my choreographer, and then he started working with them. Okay. And he'd always told me, man, like she's really special. You need to keep your eye on her. I was like, man, she is. She is really special, um, and really great for my sister, man, to see that she's done so amazing, and continue to to thrive and and just get bigger and better. And just, you know, just, I mean, brothers musically or in our life or creativity, all of it, man. How is it working being on the stage with Michael Jackson? Because he's, I mean, if you're in this business. It's nerve wracking. <laughs> Bruh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, um, you know, so I'm in my seat and um, his manager comes over to me and he says, yo, 
you're going to dance with Michael tonight. I'm like, I'm watching the show. What the heck do you mean I'm getting ready to dance with Michael? So he's like, no, come backstage. I'm like, first of all, I ain't got my Air Force Ones and I'm in boots. I can't dance in boots. So I'm like, oh my God. So now I'm going crazy. I'm backstage running around, you know, asking. I was asking like the people on the street. Like, yo, like, you got yo, I literally left, bro. And I ran outside down the street asking somebody for some shoes. Give me some Air Force Ones. Hey, it was like wallabies and like some <laughs> new balances. I was like, nah, that ain't gonna get it. I need Air Force One. <laughs> so I come back in. I ain't got my Air Force Ones. I have some like some boots. So anyway, I went out there. So y'all see me tip like I'm I look a little, I'm stuck a little bit. That, that's really what happened. Uh, but no, I was, it was nerve wracking to actually dance for and with Michael. Uh, I can remember uh, rehearsals, and I mean. I don't normally go all out in rehearsals, dude. I was going all out, singing at the top of my lungs, dancing harder than I've ever danced, sweating, flying all over the room. He was like, man, you really have a talent. That was one of the greatest compliments that I could ever get. Wow. He says to me, you not only sing, but you dance. To, I know how hard that is. You sing and you dance. That combination is vicious. Is that the greatest compliment you received? He didn't say vicious, but he said you dance <laughs> and sing. I'm, just, I'm, I'm putting two on the ten. Right. He said that that that's a really special talent, and um, it, it really felt good to get that compliment from him. Well, you know, ATL, we run in the music game, right? Absolutely. Now. We on top of the world. Yo. <laughs> How does that? Because you're part of that. Yes. I mean, you can't you can't tell the story of Atlanta music without mentioning. Usher Raymond. No, man. Mm -mm. How did that make you feel? Man, we did something, man. The Ace, man, listen, the South got something to say is what Dre said, and we've been saying it for a long time, you know, and, and, and the potency of that, you know, I think that, I think it's great. I think more than anything, again, there's this transition and this focus just for me, and I think it should be a focus of more artists, you know what I'm saying, to really focus on the other things that these genres or southern music and entertainment breeds there's an there's an entire movement and feeling like when you come to atlanta right right the world needs to know that that's why i brought atlanta to las vegas wow you need to understand it no different like you look at cirque du soleil and right. all of those shows right they celebrate their culture whether it's in spain or wherever it is our culture is the same it might not be marketed the same. It might not feel, oh, because it's culture, but all cultural things eventually become something that's commercial. And I wanted the world to be able to see and celebrate who we are, how we get out, what our music feels like, what our energy is, what our experience is, you know? Two-part question. Yep. Is R&B dead, and will R&B ever be what it once was? At the height, I'm talking about at the height, 90s, early 2000s, it was, Will it ever be bad again? So long as we um, quantify the success of it uh, as a number one spot that has to be garnered in order to consider R&B the biggest thing, I don't know. <clears throat> That's in question for the world. Mm -hmm. um, musically, I think that R&B is in everything. See, I ain't no fool. I understand where it all comes from. I right. understand the source. Right. Maybe y'all don't understand the source. Maybe you don't understand that it's gospel, blues, R&B, and everything flowed upward from there. So, no, it's gonna forever be a source. Uh, will it be and have 
potency for the entire world to celebrate? I believe so. And I'm going to continue to fight for it. I'm going to continue to be that conduit for it. Uh, as I said, man, it's a kingdom, a kingdom that I'm after. I want the world to understand the value of what this music is, not just the service of it. Yeah, you put it on to make love. Yeah, you put it on to celebrate good times. Yeah, you put it on to emote and have emotions. But it also too serves so many other things that we got to celebrate as well. You know, how do you balance being a father and being this? You have the have the the residency here in Vegas. Uh, I don't know if you're gonna go back to tour again because you got it pretty good right here. You don't have to leave. You don't have to leave. You, hey, after one stop done, shop. Yeah, yeah. You get, once you get done, you go up to your room. Well, you got a place now here in in, in, yeah. uh, in Henderson. You yeah, said. Yeah. And so now you don't have to worry about getting on plane, getting on planes, trains, automobiles, and going one state to the next state to the next city. How is how do you how do you balance that? Because you said because your father wasn't around when you were younger. That's very important to you that you around for your kids now. Yeah. But you also understand that the way daddy make a living is by doing this. So yeah. how do you balance that? Well, the balance is, you know, up until seven o'clock. <laughs> <Funny. laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on my kids. Right. And then at seven o'clock on the dot. <laughs> You know, I'm working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works. Right. But, um, you know, man, it's a balance, man. It's a balance in any field that we are, right? Especially if you got to travel with a team. I like to travel, actually. So I don't think that I'm done touring. Right. Um, I do see it in the future. Uh, but maybe in a different way. I, I just play Paris, you know what I'm saying? Right. And I had an eight-day residency or eight-night residency uh, in Paris that was a a major success uh, to be able to, you know, find space to sit down and really enjoy, you know, because that's the most important part. Yes. Like the greatest, the greatest thing that we have is time. It's not money. It's the time that you spend. Right. And being able to spend that time with my children, spend that time and really enjoy the places that I go. Um, I don't want to lose that. Right. You're part owner of the Cavaliers and LeBron comes back and wins a title. Yeah. What was that moment, because you were there, what was that moment like in Cleveland, and what was that moment like for you? Well, it all started, right? Because um, I, I don't know if I had as much to do with Cleveland as much as it was a, a business opportunity for minority, minority ownership in this okay. team. And Dan Gilbert gave me that opportunity, uh, you know, just as LeBron was making his way in to the league. So we all, you know, had heard and, and known about him and his talent. So I felt like the luckiest man in the world to be a part of this incredible organization. And what a story to be told and a legacy to be built. Um, I was just happy, uh, obviously, to have that be one of the first major uh, entrepreneurial, you know, kind of things that I, gone, that I had gone after. And it had the potential to be successful. Man, when he left, I think it was hard for everybody in the world, specifically in Cleveland. Right. Um, because he's a native son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes, man, sometimes you got to leave. Sometimes you have to go away from home in order to be truly valued and appreciated mm -hmm. and maybe find yourself. I mean, sometimes in the wilderness, you'll find something valuable and you come back and you can really enjoy it. And what I've seen after that moment, after he left and came back and then one in Cleveland, obviously, it's just been a joyous moment for us. Right? <laughs> so you look at that the opportunity because you said this was in 2005. You become a, a minority owner and you've done really good. You've 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 invested. You broaden your portfolio. Is there are there other opportunities? Are you looking like an NFL team, an MLB team or are you just kind of like stick to kind of what you know? 
Um, no, I mean, always open. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm open to continue to expand. I want to make certain that it's authentic. Right. Uh, and also, too, it makes sense. Uh, I, I want to grow. I want to work in different areas. I want to, you know, engineer and pioneer new things. Right. Um, there's no reason for music to be the only thing that you recognize me for. Business is something that is very important to me. Here in Las Vegas specifically, I've put my flag in the ground here. You know, it started with a Vegas residency, has now grown to a very successful festival by the name of Lovers and Friends. And just received the key to the city. Now I'm trying to see how many doors I can unlock. Right. You know what I'm saying? Are you gonna get in the restaurant business? Hey man, I mean, there's tons of opportunity out here. If there's partners, holla at your boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get you out of here on this one. I am bringing my daughter to tonight. <laughs> so if you would, like, you know, a song that's appropriate for someone her age. She is in her 30s. I'm not, she don't want me to tell you exactly how old she is, but. She's not married? She's not married. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm customizing. You know, I'm, I'm customizing this moment. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Usher, I appreciate your time, man. Congratulations on everything you've done. Continue success, bro. bro. And uh, I know you're gonna knock it out the park with this. Hey, bro, I appreciate you too, dog. Ah, thank you, man. Keep it real, Usher. Yes, sir. God bless you, dog. Hi, right, guys. As you can see, your boy dressed to impress. I'm in Las Vegas. And I'm getting ready to take my daughter for a birthday to the Usher concert. She's super excited because the very first concert she ever attended was Usher. So for her birthday, she's like, Daddy, I want to go see Usher. So here we are. Let's go. Thing we do for our kids, bro. Wonder what my, my son going to want for his birthday. Knowing him, he going to take the money. My other daughter, knowing her, she going to take the money. Leave the one I'm with, darling. I can't. You got it, you got it. I got it bad. <laughs> hey, baby. I'm nervous. You know, you ain't got to be nervous. Kayla, I'm shy. You're whatever. Kayla, C sharp. <laughs> the one that kicked it off. <laughs> Don't put that she, on there. She ain't playing. She ain't playing. She tell me that all the time. Usher actually was your very first concert that you ever saw. I was 12, and this was during the Confessions era, and Kanye West opened up for him, tearing up. This is so exciting. So we're making a weekend of it. So we got Usher tonight, we got Adele tomorrow, and then Thursday we got Lakers game. They open up against the Suns. So Ooh-wee. <laughs> yeah, woo-wee. Caleb's on the scene. Yeah, yeah, Caleb on the scene, talking to daddy, tell the money. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, excited too, baby. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Yeah. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle paid the price. Wanna slice, got to roll the dice. That's why. All my life, I've been grinding all my life. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary.